8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. And the viewpoint, it certainly is. Our big hitter for the night uh, is someone we're going to get to right away. P- Professor Pitika Intuli is a social and cultural activist, analyst, has done so many things, but particularly he's also uh, put together a range of sculptures, which I think is very, very topical, and we're going to talk about that as we celebrate the, the Legacy Month, right? So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about shootings at two schools, or the knifing in El Dorado Park and the killing of a teacher in the Northwest region. Uh, we've heard that before, isn't it? We'll talk about that, and we will talk about the Constitutional Court ruling that... Uh, the nine workers dismissed by their company for singing a struggle song needs to be reinstated. We'll get uh, Ingila Mwendani's thoughts on that one there at 9.30. But let's get to our big hitter for the night, Professor Apitika and Tuli. Appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in. You've got the responsibility of getting the show as our big hitter, but I'm sure you can handle it. Oh, t- thank you, Asra, <laughs> and also to the listeners. <laughs> Absolutely. Let, let's start. I was going to ask you, what, normally they say, like, what project are you working on? In fact, you are working on something that's really important and it's been launched now, right? Tell me, tell me about the sculptures. You know, yeah, yesterday we launched uh, a sculpture called Africa 2063, which is a 19-ton black granite which took uh, four years to, uh, uh, to have and to construct using uh, you know granite as well as chains yeah wow yeah and the title is africa 2063 because it was inspired by the agenda for africa for 2063 the centenary of the organization of african unity that is now uh, uh you know you know the yeah, african you, union mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. describe describe the sculpture and people are probably listening as like so is that one sculpture it's one sculpture. But, but there's a series uh, as well, I understand. Oh, yeah, there's a series. But there. let's talk about the one. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, the way, when you look at it from one angle, you are going to see three big, powerful hands adjusting the map of Africa, which is a face. Okay. And the eye of that face is the eye of Horus. Uh, one of the Egyptian, uh, you know, gods that symbolizes vigilance, security, yeah. and, uh, and, 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 and good health. And the whole, there's a whole big face. And this face is constructed by two human bodies. And these two human bodies have got hair that is made out of uh, motorbike, uh, you know, chains. Yeah. So it look, they, they look like, uh, you know, dreadlocks. And one of the dreadlocks is moving away from the rest of them. Why, you ask, why chains? Except that they're they are also beautiful. But chains symbolize that the continued colonization uh, is still afoot. And the strand that is moving away means the beginning of some form of decolonization. So what's, what's the plan? What's the purpose of, of, of the sculpture? Like what, what, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah. What I'm trying to achieve is to uh, in, inspire you know, people in Africa and people in their own uh, life to strive you know, for unity. Because without uh, unity in anything that we actually do, we are doomed. I see there's a tweet from Nazir Khudbum. I've straight up. I didn't know he's a great sculpture. I saw his great work yesterday. I like it. Okay. So there you are. You no, know, but we unveiled it yesterday 
It was just one of the best things I've, I've been into. Uh, we have Peter Makubane in the audience. We have Don Matera. Oh, and all the legends. The, all, all, I mean, all the legends, uh, you know, were there. The leading, you know, bishops, the admirals mm-hmm. of, of the army, president, and uh, and the intergenerational, you know, interact. Interface mm-hmm. with fifteen-year-old uh, young girls reading, you know, poetry uh, in, in front of Don Matera. It, it was just something wow. uh, which is so unreal. How, how was this particular sculpture received? The sculpture has been received very, uh, you know, very well. Everybody uh, wants uh, it more. Even people, about four people. That in the past particularly did not, uh, you know, like me. Okay. Uh, two of them said, "Now we forgive you because of that sculpture." <laughs> so, so, yeah. I, so I have to love it more. Okay, that's very good. Now, you you made the point about one of the, and hopefully, if you've got some pictures of the sculpture, I need to get Ben to maybe tweet some of those pictures because uh, yeah. I'd love people to see what we're talking about, right? Mm. You you made the point that this particular sculpture also talks about an Africa that's. That's not yet decolonized, if I understand you correctly, yes. right? Yeah. Why, why are you saying that? You know, because we are not, uh, you know, because we are not, uh, you know, decolonized uh, at all. I'll just take one of the, you know, clearest things. If you follow what happened during the Fismas fall yeah. and what exacerbated all the problems with Fismas fall, mm-hmm. so the students said, we want... Uh, a, a, a free decolonized, a, a decommodified education. Mm-hmm. We want black consciousness. We want radical, you know, black feminism. And what happened? The uh, university bosses invited the police. It was the same as in 1980 under the apartheid regime. Armed police on campus. Uh, you know there. Three or four weeks ago, a student was shot dead and killed in uh, Soshanguve, you uh, know, university. So whatever we do, we are not actually proud as South Africans of our own, uh, uh, you know, cultures. Let's stay with the police. But, I mean, the you know, we had the discussion about it today, and I, of course, I understand that the students are have applied for amnesty. Those that have been suspended or put in prison around fees must fall. The the I'm trying to understand the police aspect around decolonization because there's been this one thought that the police were there, and we can debate this at length. They felt they had to come in because they had to respond to the fact that the students were becoming increasingly violent, which they did. No, no, I mean, I, I, I mean that is true. But the issue is that when the police are allowed to get onto a campus with live bullets, you know, why do you carry, you know, live bullets? They could have a tear gas or other things. You come with stun, you know, stun, stun guns. You you come with live, uh, in, in the bullets. It, it reeks of the same, you know, kind of old, you uh, regime. But 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 is that a reflection of colonialism? Oh, yeah, it is a reflection of a, a, a of a colonial mind. I mean, I was a deputy vice chancellor at the University of Deben Westville mm, mm. when Deben Westville was the most radical uh, university at that uh, uh, you know time. The management there brought up an outside uh, the security company, you know that was armed. I was only three months up at the uh, university. Mm. I made an intervention in audit. And from then onwards, uh, the uh, 
Vice Chancellor Professor Balintulo and the other said no armed police around in here. Whenever the police, where the, so the students will come in their own thousands, we'll be able to come and meet them and talk to them. And all those you know students who were you know leaders during the, you know that time are in are in government right now. They are the chief you know advisors. They are all of these things. Twenty five years ago, we are still in touch. Uh, you, you know, with them because it's a way of handling, you know, these uh, you know kind of a crisis. You know, because I, I just felt that uh, if we do not, uh, you know, take up our culture, if I were to act uh, in a true sense of being a Muslim or of being a Zulu in my culture, mm. of being or, or of being anything else, then I'll put people, uh, I'll put people first. We are putting. Uh, you know, manifest. We are the most, one of the most corrupt, you know, kind of uh, uh, countries because we are not responding, you know, to uh, to the very needs, you know, of our uh, of our culture. That's why the present president right now is fighting a backlog. Well, it's an interesting point, and I want to invite callers as well. 891 That's the number you need to use to call in. It's your license to express your viewpoint on the viewpoint. My guest, Professor Pitika Intuli, and as you've heard, he's had an interesting history in terms of his days as a uh, educationist, in terms of where he's now, uh, being just a social and cultural analyst or activist, I would also say, and now this person is done this range of sculpture which has surprised some people very very interesting indeed uh, is where he is and, and currently there's a, a sculpture that was launched um, well yesterday so that's also part of a range of different sculptures tell me about that they uh, I've got a, a, a team of uh, you know young people uh, who came to me knowing absolutely nothing mm-hmm. uh, but who are very 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 good now we are working up on 23 more than life-size uh, you know, stone sculptures depicting uh, our history uh, f- from colonialism, you know, to the present, uh, you know, time. Each of, uh, you know, the monuments that we have, one of them deals with uh, women in jail. Others deal with the cultural and, and economic boycott. Others deal with the era of the Ascaris, uh, when the Ascaris were busy harassing us. And others speak about when we took decisions uh, to take armed struggle, so that even people who are not actually educated, you know, can be able to, uh, you know, visit the sculptures and see, you know, these sculptures and learn their history, you know, from this. It's a history written in stone. All right, and, and that's part of what, what what you call is that what you call open studio? Yes. Or is that is that a different project? I mean, there's yeah, an overlap. Yeah, the, the open studio. It comes every every other month where we open up the studio. We bring in poets, musicians, dancers, traditional uh, you know healers. Uh, I, I mean across the board, color, race, religion, uh, and review, and celebrate our sense of South Africanness. It's fascinating. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Let's then talk about the state of the country. Just in general, we're not talking about universities, the state of the country, with regard to where South Africa fits in in terms of its identity in relation to the rest of Africa. What what, what are your thoughts on that? It's quite a very, very complex uh, question. I just returned from Addis Ababa. Mm-hmm. I was attending the 5th Pan-African Cultural uh, uh, in a Congress. And in that uh, in a conference that... Uh, it took about uh, three to four uh, days. We were listening to 
what other our counterparts from different uh, you know, parts of Africa mm. were dealing in terms of their culture and in terms of their art. I was very pleased to find that uh, we are the only country that uh, devote the whole month uh, on heritage. We are the so only... So pleasing but disappointing at the same time. Uh, and the others are I, not doing I, I, it. Yeah, I think it's pleasing. Mm. And uh, we are the only country, again, that uh, celebrates uh, uh, you know, Africa Month you know, in May. And the projects of that Africa Month, uh, what do they do? They take you to the farest, uh, you know, areas in the rural, uh, in the rural areas. As far as that is concerned, is very good. But broadly, generally, we are having now uh, the deputy, you know, chief justice, you know, probing uh, the, the, the issue of of, of state ca- mm-hmm. or, 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 or state, you know, in, in, in a capture. Uh, you know the crime statistics uh, have been you know brought up. What country is there where we are going to have uh, you know fifty two you know murders almost a day you know in it? What are we doing? What are the mechanisms that we actually are setting in order to correct uh, you know some of these things? Let's, let's talk about the, the 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 crime rate because it's topical. What do you attribute that to? The fact that it's as horrifically as high as it is, and it doesn't appear to be stopping. Asraf, if uh, you anyone follows the state capture thing, how much, how many billions of the monies have uh, disappeared into the pockets, uh, you know, of people? If those monies were were up in our own, you know, kind of an economy, uh, then there will be jobs. Then there'll be some you know, security. And now with corruption, unemployment, and then people then resort, you know, to uh, uh, you know, to crime. That's about the easiest thing that you can throw your gun okay. and get money. But but and, and the other part, I mean, around the issue of of South Africa in in the rest of Africa, do you do you not agree that too many of the problems that we talk about, we tend to say. We blame it on, on apartheid, as we should blame it, because it's a major cause of the problems, but it almost relegates the ability of the leadership to solve the problems, as if, like, the default is, yeah, but that was the problem, as if, like, we can't say anything now. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, if you sit around and you blame apartheid, once you start playing the blame game, then you stop, you know, thinking in any other way forward. You begin to you feel sorry for ourselves. It's a very interesting concept <laughs> of having other a people or a government that feel sorry for themselves, you know, rather than finding out. When you look at how we organize the mass, you know, demonstration, mm-hmm. the, the the United Democratic, uh, you know, front, the anti-apartheid, uh, you know, movements, when our artists, our musicians, our painters and our poets went outside into foreign countries, convinced the citizens of those countries to march with them in order to encircle their own governments, that ingenuity and all of these things, where is it, uh, I mean, right now? So the, where, where where is it? Again, again, the, the the blame is us. Again, as artists, why why do you think we, we've let it slip? As you're talking about artists now specifically, right? Why why do you think you've let it slip? During the apartheid regime, we had writers' associations, we had painters' associations, we had poets' associations. People, when they were working up in group, that mass, you know, of them to influence what is happening uh, around them in mobilization. 
And today those things are not uh, there anymore because we are convinced that uh, we are now free. Therefore, uh, le- 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 let us right. do this. Are we really now free? And who has slipped up or who's dropped the ball? 0891-104-27. A fascinating chat with our big for the night, uh, Pitika, Professor Pitika and Tuli. We'll talk about his sculptures and you can raise those issues. I'll get Ben to just tweet some of those pictures. But also on a range of other issues, including the issues of colonization, including the issues of crime, the issues of leadership in terms of South Africa, in Africa as well. KGM, I'll talk to you next. Led by Martin Kremer, Mining Weekly offers unrivaled global coverage of the resources industry and the companies and people shaping it. Subscribe now at miningweekly.com. Kremer Media's Mining Weekly, mining news around the clock. Cape Town's famous beauty of mountains and sea will attract thousands of runners to take part in the 42.2-kilometer Sunlum Cape City Marathon, Africa's only IAAF gold label status marathon. Watch as runners take on Cape Town's spectacular natural beauty and traverse the city's rich historical sites in Cape Town's premier race from Beach Road and Sea Point to the finish line at the Cape Town Stadium. Live on SABC2 on Sunday the 23rd of September at 6.30am and live crossings on your favourite SABC radio station. Brought to you by SABC Sport for the love of the game. Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207 Talking to our big hitter for the night, Professor Pitika and Tulin. You can engage with him as well. So what's your viewpoint? Let's get KGM on the line. You need to get your headphones on. Right, KGM, go ahead. Hello. Good evening to Prof and to the listeners. Good evening. Go ahead. Your line's not great, but but let's try it out. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Prof, uh, I have uh, some conspiracy theory that I would need to indulge you on. Okay. I think with everything having been said and done, with all the ramifications that we, we are experiencing today, do we look back as a, as a people, as a country, do we look back where we come from and, and say we are proud of what we have achieved in, in all sincerity? Are we looking back and, and be a blaming nation where we shift fingers, I mean, we, we point fingers, shifting the blame? Or are we becoming a responsible country that says, you know what, both black, white, pink, purple, everybody in this country who was here before and post-94, we have a responsibility to be honest to ourselves and look at this country, look at ourselves as a people and say, we have messed up here, we, we, we have done good here, we need to fix this and make this country uh, at least what we dreamt of. And in closing, Prof, mm-hmm. having said what I've said, I, I, I drive a lot around the country. You know, it's painful when you move from one little town to a big city, to a big metropolis. And every time you, you enter a place, you have to switch off your aircon. I'm just giving one example. Switch mm-hmm. off your aircon because... There's this blasting smell of sewage that comes into your car. When you leave that place, you do the same. Should we look back at our leaders and say they deserve the praises and the worships that we give them? Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, got that. Thanks for that, uh, KGM. Uh, Thanks for that call. Right, go ahead. Respond to that. I could not have put it. uh, I could not have put it uh, better. We have, in a sense, become a very blaming uh, nation. I think it's only just now then when we hear uh, the president uh, you know, speaking about the uh, 
uh, you know, to say Tumamina things. Mm. But as South Africans, we have a genius uh, for coming up with uh, brilliant things. You look at uh, the Chapter 9 uh, institutions. Uh, you, the, the, the Chapter 9 institutions are there. They're absolutely, uh, you know, perfect. But do we give them enough resources to do so? Do we put in the right people on it or we deploy the people that you want to put uh, uh, in, in what, it? what do you think? I don't think I don't think we put in uh, the, the right people in many of the uh, in, in many of the cases. We, we are not putting up the resources in it. Uh, you take say you know the pen uh, uh, the pencil, the language uh, you know body that is such a very big responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You look at uh, the amount of money that is actually given over to them. They, they cannot do whatever the good intentions that are in it. Look at the Department of Arts and Culture. In the funding scheme of it, it's one of the lowest, and yet our identity resides within uh, the within arts. That, yeah. Yeah, we, within the arts, uh, in themselves, within uh, the the, the, uh, the culture, our pride in ourselves lies within the culture. With all our great musicians, our great poets, our great musicians, and our great uh, you know you know sculptures, we are not giving uh, you know you know that. By so doing, we are pandering to the same thing that colonialism do. When colonialism comes into your country, the first thing that they do is to paralyze your culture in order to effect a total domination. The logic, therefore, is that you have to fix your culture uh, you know, first before you do everything mm-hmm. else. And we are not actually doing that. That's why I say that we still need a continuous decolonization program. Well, I'll tell you what, and the first question is, so who, who should lead the decolonization program? And what is, the, what is a post-decolonization country, a decolonized South Africa, look like? So post-colonized or decolonized South Africa, what would it look like? What could it do? What can't it do? Let me give you an example. Out in the 90s, our new government realized that uh, we had more universities uh, than we needed. The best way that was taken, which was brilliant, was to merge the universities. And when we were merging the universities, it gave us an opportunity for us to reimagine African universities with African value systems, emphasizing African ways of doing, uh, uh, of doing, uh, uh, I mean, of doing things. Instead. Our universities continue to become, as I said before, photocopies of Western. Uh, uh, you so know, how, how would it change? You know, what I'm saying are they really photocopies, or do Western universities also reflect some of the best standards of what they've learned and gleaned and copied and emulated from the rest of the world? Meaning, are universities not? Borrowing from each other, and shouldn't that be the case? I don't think uh, 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 the other people don't. I mean, I spend my exile uh, mostly abroad uh, in in the UK. In the UK, I was more able to bring in African indigenous knowledge systems, Euro teaching, uh, to teach in an African uh, this perspective. But when I came to the University of South Africa with the same uh, you know, attitude in mm. mind, that would never work, you know, because the people that were then in charge of those uh, uh, universities have become so westernized 
you know, in themselves that uh, they do not actually even relate okay, to that. Okay, here's here the thought. Are, are we not in danger? And I think, I think we all agree that we can't use the West as a paradigm permanently. I, I often speak, and you may know as part of the, the Champion South African Nation Building Project, I often talk that we have to stop the day where guests use the USA as the paradigm of everything that works. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to turn that around. So I'm supportive of what you're saying. But is there also not the danger that we become increasingly isolationist? You know, when you have this idea of we're just South Africa, we're just Africa, leave the rest of the world. How, how does that wor- work work? In a world of high connectivity, and I don't mean just internet connectivity, there are many other ways that societies are connecting with each other. No, no we are not saying that uh, we have become isolationist and just simply look into Africa. Look at China. The president of China actually today are going ahead repairing some of the monuments that they had 50,000 years ago. You want to reach a Chinese thought, you say ancestor, you know, to a Chinese, and they know. They are actually looking back uh, who they are in order to look at their own, uh, you know, present. And because they are strong, then they can come up and visit us and, and other people from a position, uh, from the position of strength. All other nations carry out business, Japanese carried out business the Japanese way, the Chinese carried out the Japanese way, the Americans the American way, South Africans how? The very Western way, which, they, uh, which we don't but, even but well I'm just giving an example. Let's take the American way. Is the American way not also the, the result of a potpourri of different cultures? First of all, the Irish, then the Italians, I'm talking of historically, right? Then, of course, the, the what we call British, uh, then then other people. And, of course, right now, many Chinese, uh, people of Chinese heritage and Indian heritage are based in America and playing major roles besides African-Americans as well. Isn't the America today a potpourri of all those cultures? And does that make that? Does it not make them richer because of that? No, no. What America did, I mean, initially, by getting all of these, uh, uh, the potpourri of Irish Americans, German Americans, and, and so on, it worked, uh, it, it worked for them. Uh, you know, but then they began now to uh, uh, you know, go down the wrong way. Look who's ruling them today. Well, who is ruling? You're talking about the president? I mean, from, 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 from Obama to Trump, yeah. <laughs> you can't say that is the way, uh, uh, you, know, you know, forward. Despite that you could German these African-Americans, but still the racism, you know, still happens. The most people that are in uh, jail in America are, 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 are black people. So I, I wouldn't say America could be a very good it, example for anybody. Okay, more calls are welcome. 0891-104-207. Let's talk about, uh, if we're talking about uh, reform and transformation of, of our country, just just leave, leave the word um, colonization out for the moment, okay? Mm-hmm. To, to what degree has South Africa, because we had Zwellenzima Vavi in yesterday, and he made the point, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, that it's mm-hmm. unthinkable that in a post-apartheid South Africa, that black South Africans, that the, 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 the people who are in charge don't appear to be, or they rather they, they appear to be out of touch with the pain and the suffering of the majority of South Africans, which are black South Africans. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of it. There's an actual tweet. Uh, if you go to my timeline, you'll find it. Now, the point I want to know, just moving away from colonization, do you think South Africans' lives have become, have gone two steps back? 
now post-apartheid 24 years later? Yes, we know we have freedom. I think that's a given. But do you think that the, the suffering in a strange way has has become even more difficult. I think that, I think it has become more difficult. Uh, you know, right? Uh, uh, I mean, now there are benefits. You know that we have. We've got the constitution. Uh, we have got uh, us. You know, black. Uh, you know, people. Uh, uh, the majority, and we are uh, we are ruling. But in terms of the programs that uh, need to be done in order to, uh, you know, place ourselves in a position of advantage. Uh, we are not doing. Uh, we are not doing. You know that much. It's only now that uh, with a, a new dispensation, with a new you know kind of uh, a, a, you know president, uh, who seems to be understanding uh, the economy uh, you know very well, and uh, and also emphasizing that the economy is a key to any of uh, our development. Uh, to that extent, you know, one is very hopeful. That we may be able to pull these things uh, 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 you know, through, but the divisions that uh, exist within, uh, uh, you know, uh, in organizations and parties and, and so on. Let me take one example: the funeral of Mrs. Uh, Sobukwe. Uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Mrs. Sobukwe. The president uh, gives uh, Mrs. Sobukwe a state funeral, which is a gesture, hmm. you know, because. Uh, uh, the PAC always pulls itself uh, uh, in, in a bag. What happens uh, to that gesture to the president? The factions within the PAC uh, in, in itself uh, rouse, you know, that uh, you know thing completely off, uh, you know, the agenda, and there are lot of those, you know, kind of uh, conflicts. We have been had, and we are not finding ways. Well, of, of coming out of uh, uh, our own, uh, uh, of but our you see, own who do you blame for that? Now, now, can you blame apartheid? Can you blame colonization? That actually is just poor leadership amongst people. That the PAC with an ideology can't even promote that ideology because they can't agree with each other, and we know that. Yeah, but the tragic thing is that uh, the ideology of the PAC, when you actually uh, you know look at it from uh, you know, from Sobukwe and uh, through and the other leadership uh, in of it. They are the first people that put in the issue of the land. I mean, the land question, uh, you know, first. And the PAC is the one that said the motto of the PAC is serve, suffer, sacrifice. And once you serve, you suffer, you sacrifice. Corruption cannot be in there. You cannot deploy the people, you know, that are in there. Okay. But when they got to where they did, Right now, in, they literally kicked the president, uh, you know, gesture in the face. Exactly. So, so what does that say about the PAC factions? It just says that the people have not actually, uh, you know, developed. Uh, there's an issue of again of, you know. But would you say that's shocking? I mean, I'm just it is shocked. shocking. I mean, it is shocking. I mean, I know that organization. I Absolutely, I know that. Yeah. I love a lot in that uh, organization to see it in a sense as it is so painfully lacking in a So a what advice would you then give the organization? In, if that, they came to you now, all the parties, all the factions, and say, hey, we can't even agree on a funeral. We don't know whether what we're going to do in an election coming up in a year's time. We appear to have two parties. There's... A whole lot of things going on. What what advice would you give them if they came to you? I would, I would just simply say that uh, please uh, stop taking your ego for a walk. Stop taking your ego for a walk. I think uh, <laughs> let's let's see how they respond to that. I'm going to get some calls now. Derek uh, in uh, Nelson Mandela Bay. Hi, hi Derek. Good evening. Thanks for the opportunity. 
I agree with everything that your uh, guest is saying. Now, coming to um, South Africa, the Western thinking that we've got, we've got to stop it because let's now go, we've got SADC. We are in a crisis because of exchange rates that we link to the U.S. dollar. Now, our president, this is uh, Ramaphosa, has to be bold and say, right, we've got SADC. Let's get together and go this floating on oil, because everything's about energy, and create a SADC dollar like they did in the EU, and let us be a start of developing Africa. From there, you can go to the Eastern Bloc. But we cannot continue with these exchange rates that are killing us, because next month we're going to be paying 20 rand for petrol, and we're going to end up with a revolution unless we take the bold step. Think out the box. Okay, but it's as simple as that. I don't think so. It's far more complicated. Thanks for that bold step. Think out of the box. How, how do we think out of the box? It's not no, no. about economy, yeah? The speaker is dead right. Because what the speaker is saying, he is saying exactly the same way that Kwame Nkrumah uh, you know, had said. Mm-hmm. That Africa must come up with its own currency. Africa must come up with its own high command. That if there's any conflict in the region or conflict anywhere, you don't get French uh, soldiers or American soldiers uh, or, or, or on African uh, uh, soil. The previous uh, you know, speaker is dead right. I agree with him wholeheartedly. How, but how does one think out of the box? I mean, in practical terms. So one is, yes, come up with your own solutions. Would you, would you have a solution of kick-starting economy and, and, and what needs to happen? In uh, Ashraf, if you are confronted with a 25-ton granite, <laughs> mm. and then it's just a rough granite, and we work upon that granite and shape that granite. What does that process mean? It means you get read. You know, uh, Michelangelo, the sculptor, you know, said, "In a stone, there is a statue. All you have got to do is to remove that which is not a statue. So, in other words, you remove the chaff and all of these things. So, in government, you have to remove those people that are not, uh, you know, working. In the university, you have got to remove those systems that are not, uh, you know, working, and then carve." A, a better entity. Well, there you are. I'll get more calls in a minute. Let's. What, what are your thoughts on the leadership of uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, the president? I, 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 I am in, in favour of uh, the leadership of uh, you know, Cyril Ramaphosa. Uh, when one actually follows him, you can see he is following money. He's raising up uh, all of these kind of kind of uh, billions. This idea of uh, wake up to Mamina, which needs to be actually you know perfected, mm-hmm. so that uh, you know people you know get in there, think out of the box, get responsibilities, you know sort out their little communities and that are there because people do not realize that we have reached, uh, we have come to a place of new power. I mean, new power where we have got to think that the age of the expert is gone. It's the age of the communities. If at all you don't deal with the communities and have the feeling of the communities at that particular level, you are not going to, you know, to achieve anything. So the the age of the expert is gone. Yes. Help us understand that. What, What does that mean? The age of the expert is gone. And it's the age of the communities. You see, the thing why we have got so many problems in the world, we have got so many egos, so many individual egos. We take ourselves so seriously that it is not even uh, that, that it is not even uh, 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 you know funny. Let me give you an example in my own studio. When we have workshops in my studio making art, 
we like tomorrow we are going to have about 40 young people normally we would take them through to say when we're making this this is what we're thinking this is what we're thinking this is what we're thinking mm-hmm. that's what i was pushing the young people i work with said to me no 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 no, no. we've become too much of an a, a, a expert we are beginning to think for, of, <laughs> of, of, of everybody else i said what do you want us to do they said next workshop can we conduct it ourselves these guys are in their 20s then i said fine what do you want so i was sitting i folded my arms when the young people came they said walk freely here look at the picture that you like and and, and study it and then we'll call you back to tell us what you like about uh, uh, what you like about that piece so now when that happens i sit down there i say nothing people do the reading themselves you only correct here and here and here and here i realize that uh, the expertise is not actually with me because when i make a work of art once it is out there it is no longer mine anybody can interpret it the way that they interpret it as an expert i, I i'm gone mm. the community has got their own say by the by the way talking about art and artists you know there was and i stand to be corrected there were representations in parliament today regarding uh, artists i think performing artists um and and the compensations and and the type of royalties they should receive have you been following that i've yeah. been out the entire day today but i understand there's been that uh can you comment on it what, what, what do you understand yeah i mean the issue of uh, you know copyright mm-hmm. is a very very serious thing many of our artists many of our musicians have been crippled i'll tell you get one example You've got somebody like uh, Credo Mutua, mm-hmm. who's 97 today. Yeah. Credo has written a number of books. He had composed uh, you know, songs, because he was also in theater. Who holds uh, uh, the intellectual property? Is it his family? Is it him? No. They made him sign some documents that uh, headed over his own creativity uh, you know, over you know, to somebody. And the same thing has been happening to our musicians, that they're actually being ripped off of their uh, royalties, they've been ripped off uh, of uh, some of uh, their own uh, uh, in the copyrights because our music uh, associations need actually to be strengthened. And the question is how? Let's uh, continue chatting about uh, issues that matter to us with my uh, with our big hitter for the night. And that is Professor Pitika Intuli, who is a social and cultural analyst. But uh, besides that, his activism stretches into many things, including sculpture, because he's put together a range of sculpture. In fact, I'll get Ben. Ben is going to post. I think Ben has posted. Go to the SFM Radio timeline on Twitter, and then I'll, I'll also retweet those. You'll find all those pictures um, around the sculptures. Let's talk about the land. What's, what's your take? First of all, what's your opinion? And then we'll talk about what you think will happen. Is it? What I can see right now is that the issue of the, I see that the issue of uh, you know the land <clears throat> is actually being looked at uh, in a very superficial uh, 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 you know way. We are only looking at land simply as uh, as economics, and yet to indigenous people, land is more than the economics. Where you buried your ancestors, you know, becomes you know holy space, and it becomes you know holy uh, the holy ground. We can grab the land legally, 
uh, with or without uh, actually. I don't know people. The word grab is could concern many people. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's a word. That, <laughs> that's a Zimbabwean word. That's <laughs> why I'm just making it. Fun. Okay, let me give All you right. a minute to pause because I want. I'll take calls as well, and we we'll talk about just the views of our guests in terms of how to resolve the land issues in a moment. The show is called The Viewpoint. What's yours? Not everything in the sea is as beautiful as the creatures who live in it. Carelessly discarded plastic breaks down into small particles that look like food. When eaten, they harm sea creatures, from tiny fish to large whales. Be responsible. Don't let plastics end up in the ocean. A message brought to you by Plastics SA, signatory of the Marine Debris Declaration. From power plants and rail corridors to car factories and space science, Creamer Media's Engineering News offers comprehensive coverage of South Africa's real economy and the companies and people that make it tick. Subscribe now at engineeringnews.co.za. Creamer Media's Engineering News, not just for engineers. Talking to uh, our big hitter for the night, Professor Pitika in Chile. Right, so let, let's continue talking about the, the land. Okay, you, you yeah, explain yeah. that. Yeah, you know, if I was in charge of the land question, is that if we take that land and we give it to people, you know, people should sign out that they are not going to sell that land. They are going to use the going to sell the land. What happened with the RTP houses? You build RTP houses, you know, to the people. What do those people do? They sell those RTP houses and get money and then go back. But, to but the I mean, if, if they want to sell the land, surely that's their right, isn't it? Right. If at all they want to sell their land, then the Americans with their old torn peak checks can come and buy up the whole of South Africa and we won't even have our own land. Okay, but how do you prevent someone saying, maybe I can, I can, literally, I can, I want to sell the land, I want to buy a fast food franchise. I'm just saying, how, how do we stop that person? He's not, he or she's not interested in the cultural debates. It's like, I need to secure my family's future. I'm not interested in the political debates about Americans and whatnot. Let me just sell the land and buy a fast food. Maybe an American franchise, ironically. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean that's possible. Everybody has got the right, actually, to do so. But uh, what happened? The same people who got the RTP houses... Because some of them wanted to buy cars, some of them wanted to buy something, uh, you know, for their husbands or for their uh, for their wives, and they sold uh, those houses. Whatever they were doing is gone. They are now uh, homeless. They have to go back to the uh, the squatter camp. Now, now there will be people who will be waiting on the side uh, of the land or on, on the prime land, uh, who know what might be even be mm. lying underneath, you know, that uh, 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 you know land, and then buy it. And then people are going to be uh, gone. There are other countries here that I read somewhere. How much percent of the land is being owned, you know, by uh, you know people? Other countries have stopped selling uh, land. You so can't buy, you can't buy a house. So what would be the solution? Then? I mean, the solution is that there, sh- there, there, there should be provisions uh, to safeguard that uh, once the land is being handed over, uh, you know, to. Uh, it depends whether you hand the land over to individuals or to communities. If you lend it, you do it over to communities. We've got, uh, I mean, laws that actually cover, uh, I mean, that cover that, how people can benefit, uh, you know, from that land. 
uh, the law says you can have a juristic person. A juristic person is the one who will represent the community chosen by the community in all the deals mm, mm. that deal either with mineral resources, intangible heritages, and, and, and other tangible heritages. But when it's individuals, you know, claim to that particular land, it's another matter. Let's then talk about the issue of race. Do, do you get a sense? Look, racism is racism. We don't have to even spend time talking about it. It's just wrong, finished, right? Yeah. But outside of racism, do you find that increasingly there's a great move from people and across the nation to out other people who are racist, right? So racism is wrong. Let's get that right. But mm. but people are spending a lot of time like witch hunting, finding every fault in another person around racism, but finding the fault and making that the biggest issue of the day. For example, while we do that, there are you know there were there there are people who've died at a murder rate of about fifty people a day. That type of scenario. And do you find that in in, in spending too much time with it, we're becoming an increasingly divided society? No, so, we, so there's yeah. the, the in the past it was like let's see how similar we are now it's like let's see how different we are no no i think i mean i i, I mean you are right it, it, it takes us back to that question again of uh, uh you know most of us say feeling sorry for you know feeling sorry for ourselves you, you know in it i can tell you anecdotes of of confront of confrontation when we went over to uh, celebrate, uh, you know, Credo's uh, 97th, uh, you know, birthday, my wife and I stayed in a Airbnb. As we were leaving, the woman in Kuruman, the woman who owned it, came uh, to me and said, when you came in here, I looked at you, you seemed familiar, I did not know who you were. I googled and I found out who you are. And then when I said, Despite apartheid, what my people had actually done to you, you've come out the way that you are. I must apologize. I must apologize for apartheid. Uh, uh, I must apologize for apartheid. No one had ever, uh, you know, done that. Uh, you know, to uh, uh, I mean, to me, I've never encountered anybody who supported. Uh, 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 I mean, apartheid. No mm, one actually yeah, did. Yeah. It looks like it was actually a myth. But you are right. That right now is that. There are people who are not confident, you know, in themselves. They'll go and still, uh, you know, blaming apartheid, like we said at the beginning, you know, of this conversation. So we are continue to to to, to divide. But amongst younger people, you begin to see a lot of younger people coming together. My children, when they come into the house, uh, you know, in the air, you know, from Jamal to Khert to whatever else it is, they are just kind of living their their life. It is us, the older ones, who feel offended. You know, I still have to show up this white person that I'm not a victim. <laughs> there we are. More to come from Professor uh, Pitika and Tuli is our big hitter for the night. Uh, by the way, you need to make a note of this. So accelerate your idea with the right networks now. The SABC Education South African Innovation Summit is on the go. You've probably heard about it. It's been going on yesterday, today, it ends tomorrow. It's happening at the Cape Town Stadium. And uh, to book your tickets there, get to innovationsummit.coza. Innovationsummit.coza. I understand that some of the, the best tech entrepreneurs and social innovators in the country are all there with their pictures and their networking and their debates that will absolutely inspire you. Brought to you by SABC Education and the South African Innovation Summit.
So the example that you're giving, Professor, uh, in truly about your children understanding certain things, but maybe the older people don't. The, the fact is that there has been this increasing amplifying of, of differences. What, what do you feel should be happening? That means I'm, I'm talking about, should we just allow the differences to continue and then you, you find before long you just poles apart and the country is weaker? Or should we be doing something to patch up those differences? Or is that very arrogant to say, why should you know one group of formerly oppressed people, black South Africans, worry about trying to patch things up? With the others, uh, yeah. Now, I mean, uh, I mean, as black people, we are very nice, good, and and forgiving. But most of the time, not forgiving our own. We can forgive somebody else. Now, when you look at uh, how particularly young people, uh, you know, come out, radical ones, blaming Mandela that Mandela sold out. Yeah, they are not going to say you either. Uh, you know, declare whatever else it is. You controlled the armies that did this and this and this. Your history is, is neat and clear. We are not going to attack that. We are going to go to Mandela and said, uh, "You, Mandela, is sold out." As if Mandela uh, was the only uh, person uh, 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 deciding you know, things, a dictator. Yeah, yeah, dictating. You know, everything to uh, uh, you know to anyone. So, in a sense, we have got to look at our own selves rather than going up, projecting, and blaming you know other people. What about the role of traditional leaders? In fact, we spoke to the the head, the president of South Africa's uh, Contralesa a few days ago. We also had a traditional leader from Ghana who speaks at uh, at a lecture uh, tomorrow. In fact, at the Limpopo University, right? What What are your thoughts on the role of traditional leaders uh, and, the, and the role they should be playing? Uh, I mean, the role of the traditional uh, you know, leaders, the traditional leaders are not, uh, in a true sense, uh, culturally, they are not the bosses of the people. Mm-hmm. They are custodians of the people's wishes and the people's uh, you know, land. I sat for, and also deputized for five years uh, on a commission for traditional leadership disputes uh, uh, you know, you know, and claims. There's a saying in, uh, uh, in my culture that the, the king is a mouth that speaks no lies. What it exactly means is that if there's a, a conflict, you take your conflict to an Induna, then do not take it to the council. Mm. The council mm. takes mm. it over there. The king has got no say. The king sits down there, listen to the debate. Once the nation has agreed what it is, the king, the king makes the pronouncement. Then we cannot lie because he's speaking what the people are saying. So, but what happens right now is that you know, some of our leaders, of the traditional leaders, might want to feel like they own the land uh, you know, themselves, mm. that they can dictate. You know, do, do you get that sense? The, uh, onto the people. Yeah, but do, do you get that sense? I, that get, I some... get that sense, but it's not the majority uh, uh, you know, of them. The majority of, of them preside over the issues and their council that brought them you know, in there and how they were brought in there and the system that brought them in there, you know, count to keep them in a, in a proper line Another to behave. four minutes with Professor Pitika Antuli who is a sculptor, poet, writer, academic, has done so many things. You have views on African spirituality? 
I mean, uh, you've counted everything that I am. You left one thing uh, <laughs> that I am. Uh, I am a Sangoma. Okay, well, that you know, was the one question. Yeah. Spirituality is very central, mm. uh, 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 you know, to my being. But spirituality, not religious spirituality, spirituality, you know, broadly as how you relate to other people, mm. how to relate to nature, how you relate to ideas, and how to relate either to yourself, even when we're in conflict with yourself. That spirituality is therefore kind of central. And how does that play out for you and the people that you are able to influence? Yeah, you know, is that uh, when sometimes somebody wrongs you, and they see you up here and they expect you to be blowing your top in the sky high. And then you come and say, how are you today? Fine. How is your family? He says, oh, no, that's uh, fine. So are you still angry? <laughs> well, there you are. You, you know, because in the world of spirituality, what kind of spirituality is that? If anybody offends you, badly say to yourself this come from such a low level even i can rise above it we only wish we all can do that isn't it don't you find people battle to do that Ashraf, we can all try <laughs> i i agree with you yeah what's your take on on history being compulsory as a subject a, a, for me history being compulsory a subject is a very great thing my worry is what history? Uh, yeah. Who writes that history? And what's the answer? To who that? tells that? Uh, who tells that history? The history as we know it, actually in South Africa, as uh, as we Africans say, as long as a history of hunting is told by the hunter, it will always favor human beings. That's and I think true. that's the case. So you are very concerned as to who will write that history. Yes. You foresee problems in the future. I see. Oh, I see problems in the. I see problems in the future. We have got to write up uh, uh, our history honestly, without feeling sorry for ourselves, without hunting for enemies, uh, without reviving the enemies uh, that had even forgotten, uh, you know, that uh, they used to be our enemies. Okay, there's Kolani Radebe or Kadebe saying, this is a man who taught me a lot, uh, referring to yourself, which is just great. Many people quoting you saying, Professor uh, Pitikan and Tuli's PAC should stop taking their egos for a walk, or the PAC factions, in <laughs> fact, to So I'm just making the point that uh, that you've been quoted. Let, let's wrap up. We've got 30 seconds to go. What's the what's the single biggest challenge facing our country now? The uh, biggest challenge facing our country today is that we are not listening uh, you know, to each other. We are looking at our own party, our own tribe, our own uh, you know, everything. We are not very that serious on the issue of nation, you know, you know, building and the development of our own spirit. And why are we not that serious? Can't we not see that that nation building benefits all of us? Yeah, I mean, to, to a very certain extent, uh, we have to accept that we are damaged. If at all we, are, we don't accept that we are, we are damaged, then we are not going to do anything about it. I catch myself being damaged now and again. I've got to do a repair job.
Well, there you are. As a country, we need to do a repair job on our own hearts and our souls as well. It's been great chatting to you. Your time is up. Uh, thank thank you. you for being our big hitter for the evening, Professor Pitika and Tulian, uh, the sculptor you. together with the Sangoma and the, the, the poet, the writer, the academic. Let's get that right. There's some pictures we, I think we haven't yet tweeted, but we'll try and do that just now of uh, some of the sculptor work that's been put together. Very, very impressive indeed. Appreciate your time. Thank, thank you, you as always. Let's thank get the news now. It's nine o'clock.